You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is James Pierce. I am a member of Burley Heads Church of Christ, and I'm bringing you the message this morning. Today is Palm Sunday, and surprisingly, next Sunday is Easter. It seems to have rushed around much faster than I expected. So it'll be a very different Easter uh, to what we're used to. But in some strange way, it'll be very much like the first Easter all those years ago. Because you think about it, where were the disciples uh, on that first Easter when Jesus rose from the, the grave? They were in their homes hiding in fear. So next Sunday will be remarkably like the very first Easter all those years ago. But back to Palm Sunday today, Palm Sunday was the day when Jesus came into Jerusalem. And uh, and, to, and I'm going to talk about Palm Sunday, but I'm also going to talk about the, uh, the, the reason why we do not need to lose our confidence, our peace of mind, our joy uh, with all of this stuff that's going on around us at the moment. We can continue to have peace in God. So I guess if there's a topic for today's sermon, it's trusting God in these troubled times. Because you know what? Things may not be as bad as we think they are. You know, like healthy fear is a good thing. Uh, healthy fear is the reason why we wash our hands, uh, why we keep one and a half metres apart. But unhealthy fear stops us sleeping at night, raises our blood pressure and, uh, and takes away our joy, takes away our peace. Unhealthy fear is called catastrophizing. It's where we imagine something really terrible is going to happen and then behave as if that was certainly going to happen. But with the help of Jesus, we can overcome unhealthy fear. With the help of Jesus, we can know joy and peace in our hearts. So grab your Bibles, grab a pen and paper, because I've got some lists and references along the way. And um, we'll start with a Bible reading. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew uh, chapter 21, and we're going to read the first 11 verses. So that's Matthew 21, the first 11 verses. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Let's pray. 
Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. Help me to pass on the message that you want people to hear and may nothing interfere with that transmission. Bless all who hear this message, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so how can you tell if something is good or bad? Getting cut with a knife would be a bad thing. But what if the knife is in the hands of a skilled surgeon and he's using it to save your life? Then it would be a good thing. How can you tell if something is good or bad? When Jesus entered Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday, he was riding on a donkey and the crowds were going wild. Do you know why the crowds were so excited? It was not just because Jesus was there. It was because of the donkey. What's the donkey got to do with it? Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey was acting out a prophecy from Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. It's a prophecy about the coming of the Messiah, the righteous king who is going to bring salvation to Israel. So by his actions, by riding in on a donkey, Jesus was making a statement and the crowds were correctly interpreting that statement because Jesus was saying as plain as possible that he was the king, the triumphant victorious king bringing salvation. The people were convinced that that meant that he was going to free them from the Romans. But the salvation that Jesus was bringing was not political salvation. It was salvation from our sins. The people didn't know this. They thought Jesus was going to be like a warrior. And it was no wonder that the Jewish leaders were afraid. The Romans were not gentle with rebels. And the Jewish leaders would have been very, very upset and scared about what could happen. And that's why they felt that something had to be done and done quick. The crowds thought Jesus' coming was good. The Pharisees thought it was bad. Good thing, bad thing. What was it? When Jesus didn't get rid of the Romans, the crowd turned against him and Jesus was crucified. A good thing or a bad thing? The disciples thought it was a bad thing. The Pharisees thought it was a good thing. Ironically, the Pharisees were right, but for totally the wrong reasons. The crucifixion was good for us because through the crucifixion, Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins and we have salvation through Jesus. So it's a good thing for us. Jesus bought our freedom with his life. But during the crucifixion, the disciples were terrified. They thought this was a terrible thing and they were hiding in their homes. Good, bad, how do we know if a situation is good or bad? There's a, a story about a Chinese farmer, an ancient folktale from China. 
and uh, this uh, one day a, a merchant stopped by the farmer's uh, uh, house. The farmer had a horse that he used in uh, around the farm, and the merchant had a horse too, but his horse had gone lame, and he needed a new horse, and so he offered to buy the farmer's horse. And it was a fairly elderly horse, it was okay, but uh, the farmer was quite happy to sell and they argued over the price and eventually settled on one they were both happy with. And the merchant said, I'll come in the morning and pick up the horse I'm staying in the inn in the town. The farmer's neighbours all gathered around and said, oh, what good luck that you were able to sell the horse. And the farmer said, good luck, bad luck, who knows? Anyway, that night, the horse kicked over the fence and ran off into the hills. When the merchant turned up and there was no horse, the sale obviously fell through and he went away. And the farmer's neighbour said, oh, what bad luck that the horse ran away. And the farmer said, good luck, bad luck, who knows? The horse, meanwhile, had gotten up into the hills and met up with a bunch of wild horses. He'd gotten into a fight with the stallion and had beaten him. And so now he was the king of this herd of horses, which was great. Except he started to think about how comfortable it was back in the, in the paddock with the, in the, on the farm with all the nice food and everything. And so he decided to go back to the farmer, which he did. But of course, all the other horses followed him. So when the farmer got up in the morning, there in his paddock was a whole lot of horses. Suddenly he was very wealthy. And the neighbours said to him, oh, what good luck. And the farmer said, good luck, bad luck, who knows? So the farmer's son started to break the horses so that they could be tamed and sold off. And one day while he was doing this, he got thrown from a horse and broke his leg. And, the farmer, and that meant that the farmer would have to do all the work around the property and his son would be laid up for many, many weeks. And, uh, and it was just like a disaster and the farmer's neighbour said oh what terrible luck that your son broke his leg and the farmer said good luck bad luck who knows the next day the chinese army marched into the town on the way to fight the mongols and they conscripted every able-bodied young man in the town except of course the farmer's son because of his broken leg good luck bad luck who knows? The point is, we cannot tell during a situation or before the situation, sometimes even after a situation, whether it was good or bad. Only with hindsight, looking back, can we work out whether something was really good for us or bad for us. I know in my own life, and you probably do in yours too, many, many times when what I thought was a complete disaster has turned out to be something that God used to bring about something really, really good. And it's possible to see the hand of God at work even in the darkest of times. Circumstances might be bad, they might be troubling, they might be painful, but God can bring good out of all of these things. Whatever the circumstances, we know that God is still in control. Today, we're doing church long distance because of the coronavirus. Is the virus a good thing or a bad thing? Who knows? I'm pretty certain, though, that worrying and stressing and losing our peace of mind over it is not a good thing. And through God, we can know peace. You know, there's that saying, no God, no peace. And that's an accurate statement, whether you spell no, K-N-O-W or N-O. 
No God, no peace. There are many prophets of doom out there whose voices regularly come into our houses that disturb the peace. They used to be called reporters or television presenters, but now they're prophets of doom. If the coronavirus doesn't get us, the collapse of the economy will get us or some other global disaster will get us. And they take joy in bringing this bad news into our homes. And if we focus on that bad news, it's really easy to understand how we can lose our joy and peace and start worrying about the future. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I am not saying to ignore the health advice about washing our hands and keeping our distance and all that sort of stuff. Do all those things. That's sensible. What I'm saying is don't be afraid. Don't be fearful of it. Don't worry. Believe in the power of prayer and the power of soap but believe in the power of prayer because it's just so easy to lose our peace under these circumstances. It's so easy to be stressed and worried. It's so easy to lose our joy. One solution to this possibility of losing all these good things is to draw in the voices of God's prophets, into a, draw, let them into our home instead of the voices of doom. Last week, Steve spoke, amongst other things, about making the best of our enforced isolation. The extra time we have at home can be a great opportunity to grow closer to God. Growing closer to God moves us further away from the problems that we worry about. Because the closer we are to God, the more trusting and the more comfortable and the less worry that we have. Here's a list of things that you can do to bring you closer to God. It's where your pencil and paper comes in handy. So uh, there's um, uh, eight things I've got here. I'll just run through them fairly slowly so you can write them down. Uh, or if you're looking at this on the internet, you can pause it and write them down. But the first one is pray. Take time every day to connect with God. Read your Bibles. There is so much in the Bible that, that, that is comforting. Watch sermons on the internet, and at this time with the coronavirus worldwide, there are many people preaching uh, sermons of comfort and advice and help about the virus. Listen to podcasts, do Bible studies, read devotions, and pray some more. Connect with God. All these things can increase our connection with God and help us to hold on to our joy and hold on to our peace. The latest bad situation that we might find ourselves in really is just another opportunity for God to work good in the world. So do your best to make good use of this time while you are away from all the things that normally distract us. So no one really wants to die, really wants to get sick or cause someone else to get sick. So it's appropriate to be careful, to be concerned, and to protect others. And it's really hard under those circumstances not to worry, not to stress, not to be afraid. But this is where catastrophizing comes in. We start imagining the worst and then we start acting as if that worst had actually happened and we lose our peace of mind and we lose our joy and we can't sleep at night and we have, you know, terrible stresses and we can't let... People will even ring us up on the phone unless something bad might happen. What we have done is we have forgotten that God is involved in everything. 
God's not here in a church building wondering where his worshippers are. He's not up in heaven chewing his nails saying, what am I going to do next? God is out there with you. He's there with all of us. And he is still in control. You know, we're like the disciples in the boat when the storm blew up. We're focusing on the storm and we've completely forgotten that Jesus is in the boat with us. God is in control. There is no situation beyond his ability to make good come out of it. I'll tell you a, 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 another story. This is a true story, though. And it concerns a, a lady called Monica. Monica lived in North Africa about 1,600 years ago. And her son was a great worry to her. He was living with his, with his girlfriend. They weren't married. Uh, he'd been involved in petty crime. He had friends she didn't like. She was worried and constantly prayed for him. Monica was a Christian. Her son was not. And she feared for his soul. His name was Augustine. And one day he told her that he was going to go and live in Rome. Now, there were two sayings about Rome. One was that all roads lead to Rome. And the other one, which was based on that, was that all sewers empty into Rome. Rome was the place where whatever bad things are happening in the empire, they happened in Rome. The nearest equivalent would be if your son or daughter said, hey, I'm going to go and live in King's Cross. You would be concerned. So was Monica. Monica was so afraid of Augustine going to Rome that she prayed nonstop for him not to go. She even prayed that his ship would sink in the harbour so that he wouldn't go to Rome. Well, the ship didn't sink in the harbour. Augustine went to Rome. When he was in Rome, he met a fellow called Ambrose, Ambrose of Milan. Ambrose was not just a Christian. He was a Christian who was a great speaker. But he was not just a Christian who was a great speaker. He was also a great theologian. And his logic and the strength of his arguments and the way he presented them broke through Augustine's barriers and Augustine abandoned his ungodly lifestyle and became a Christian. In fact, he became such a dedicated Christian that they actually made him the bishop of the North African town he came from, sent him back as the Bishop of Hippo. And he is one, became one of the, the greatest theologians in the history of the church. In fact, he was so influential that hundreds and hundreds of years later, people were still being influenced by his theology. People like Martin Luther, and John Wesley, who changed the church, did so because of the influence Augustine had on their lives. So was it a bad thing that he went to Rome? If he hadn't gone to Rome, the church and the world would be a very different place. If he hadn't gone to Rome, Monica's deepest prayers would not have been answered. Was it a good thing that he went to Rome? If you'd asked Monica when he was on the ship heading there, she would say, no, it was a terrible thing. Only with hindsight, looking back, can we say it was a good thing that he went to Rome? So the situation that we are, you might even be in a similar situation to Monica. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Who knows? Monica was doing two things. She was praying constantly and she was worrying constantly. Only one of those things was actually useful and it wasn't the worrying constantly. The thing that she was afraid of him going to Rome actually turned out to be the best thing that could have happened, not only for her and for, for Augustine, but for the rest of us in the world. So the point is, by all means, pray without ceasing. 
but do so without worrying, without fear, without stress. Trust God. God is in the boat with us. God is still in control. God will bring good out of all circumstances. This coronavirus thing, you know, we will be careful. We will take preparations. We will, you know, clean our hands and all the rest of it. But we do not need to be either afraid or to worry needlessly. In fact, this coronavirus thing might be a great opportunity to witness to others about the love and care of God. Though it's pretty hard to witness about the love and care of God if what you're demonstrating is fear and uncertainty. But at the moment, there are no distractions. There's no, no footy, no pubs, no clubs. People have time on their hands and people are thinking about the big questions of life because of the coronavirus. The number one hit on Google at the moment is prayer. People are turning to God. And we know the one who holds the future in his hands. Are we going to be able to comfort others and tell them about Jesus, about his love and about how God is in control and is looking after everything? Or will we be too focused on our own worries and our own future and our own selves to actually reach out and help others? It all depends on the attitude we choose to adopt. If we are at peace in the midst of this crisis, then what a powerful message that sends to our neighbours and to our family. You don't need to be physically present to impact others. We have telephones, we have emails, we have SMSs. I've seen people shouting across the road to their neighbours. I've seen people talking from one balcony to another to their neighbours, still maintaining the distance, but still making those human connections. Just because we are in isolation does not mean that we need to be isolated. Maintain contact with others. It helps them and it helps us. During the week, I rang a lady. We, we had such a good conversation. She made me laugh so much that with just about everything that she said that I felt so good after the phone call. But I'd actually rung her to see how she was getting on, but I was the one who benefited from the phone call. Maintain contact with people. Be positive. With modern technology, we can be a light in the darkness to those people who don't know who the person who holds the future in his hands. Encourage one another. Bless one another. Ring people. Tell others about the good things that God has done. The disciples on Palm Sunday and on that week leading up to Easter, they got it wrong about Jesus because they didn't listen to him. When Jesus had talked about his coming death, they simply refused to hear him. And Jesus knew that by riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, he was making a statement that would lead to his death. He knew that the Jewish authorities were not going to let him uh, come in and just take on the role of king. And he knew that it was going to lead to his death. But his disciples didn't listen to him. The good thing, though, is that afterwards, the disciples honestly recorded everything that happened, including their own failure to listen to Jesus' words. And they also recorded what Jesus did. Matthew, Mark and Luke all record that in the garden before the crucifixion, Jesus prayed and he asked God to take the cup from him. But he concluded by saying, not my will, 
but yours. Christ shows us that whether things are going good or bad, what we are called to do, what he did as a witness to us, was to put our trust in God. Now, this is a pretty hard thing to do when the whole world is going crazy over a virus. But we have not only the example of Jesus putting his trust in his Father, but there are multiple Bible verses that encourage us to trust God. I did a Google search for um, trusting God Bible verses. The very first hit was entitled 100 Bible verses about trusting God. 100 verses just on the first hit. I picked half a dozen to share with you, but there's still at least 94 more verses out there for you to follow up. So I'll just go through these quickly. You've got your pen and paper. You can write the references down and you can go and look them up later. But here, here they are. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. The problem for most of us is that once we give our cares to Jesus, we take them back again. We just cast our cares on him, take the weight off our shoulders and let it go. Philippians 4, verses 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God will surpass all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious. Take your anxieties to God. And the Father will ease your troubled souls. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We are connected to the Father through the Holy Spirit, who is with us. When we are afraid, take time to focus on the Father and, and, and hand our fears over to him. John 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is Lord of all. He has overcome the world. Trust him and he will give you peace in the midst of this pandemic. Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And the last one I picked, one that you, I'm sure you're all familiar with, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's how much God loves us. What I would encourage you to do is copy these verses out or hunt for the other 94 and copy the ones that you like out and put them on slips of paper and put them around your house. Stick them on your mirror. Put them on your coffee tin. Put them on your fridge door. Every time you go to open the fridge or make a coffee or look at yourself in the mirror, Read the verse, memorize the verse and say them over and over again. In doing so, you will be focusing on the voices of hope that is in the Bible and you'll be putting the voices of the doomsayers to one side and you'll draw closer to God and you will not have the worry and the stress because as you feed your spirit with the words of God, your spirit grows stronger and your connection to God grows deeper. God's promises are are real and they're there for us in the Bible. So during this week, from Palm Sunday to Easter, take time to focus on God. He is with you. He will never leave you. And as you focus on him, the noise of this world will cease to terrify. 
So let me sum up now where I've gone this morning. We don't know if our situation is good or bad, and we won't know for quite some time. And because we don't know whether it's good or bad, then focus on God. Look at what God says, no matter what the world says. Trust him because he loves us so much. Don't overworry. Don't catastrophize. And you won't lose your peace or your joy. Trust God and he will give you the spirit of peace and drive from you any spirit that is not from him. Feed your spirit with the word of God, not the words of the doomsayers. And the word of God will nurture your spirit and give you peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding. With such peace, you can be, you can be used by God to tell others of his great love and to help others to not worry and not catastrophize. You might be a turning point in the lives of your neighbours and your family if you are a witness to them about the peace that God can give you. I have three questions for you to think about during the week, and uh, uh, they'll be on the screen, but if you want to write them down. Paul said he had learned to be content in all circumstances. What can you do to be content in your circumstances? Number two, what Bible verses can you think of that encourage us to trust God in all circumstances? Like I said, there's at least 94 more out there, um, and I can think of dozens more just off the top of my head. Go and research. Find some more Bible verses and put them up all over your house about how God works to the good in all things and about how worry doesn't add an extra hour to your life and how he loves you and cares for you. Those three things for you to do during the week. Learn to be content. Find Bible verses that encourage us. And the third thing, is there someone you could share comforting Bible verses with? The Bible verses that comfort you, share them with others and maybe bring comfort into their lives. There's an old hymn that goes, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Focus your attention on Jesus, not on the voices of the world, and you'll be happier, you'll be more peaceful, and you'll be more useful for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father God, in the midst of all the uncertainty caused by this virus, I ask that your spirit would minister to our spirits and that your word would enrich and enliven us and that we would have within us the peace that you have promised us, the peace that passes all understanding and that through the peace we have, we will be able to influence others so that they too will find peace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Look, I've been spending a lot of time at home, like you have been. Uh, I've been found it's a, a wonderful time to catch up on, you know, reading. I've got books that I've been wanting to read for ages. I've been looking at podcasts. I've been looking at uh, videos. Uh, I've been sort of hearing what other people have been saying all around the world. It's just a great opportunity to grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. Don't spend your time watching Netflix. Spend your time watching preachers on YouTube. Much better value. May turn this disaster of the coronavirus thing into a positive in your life. God bless you all.